For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Luke Lavolpe. Thanks very much for, for coming on, Luke. Cheers for having me. How are you getting on? I know, bad surviving. I'd love to say it's all sunshine and rainbows, but it's not. It must be <laughs> such a, a crazy time for you, man, because last year, like, don't get me wrong, you were nominated by everyone under the sun as being, you know, the, the next big thing yeah. in 2020, and then 2020 disappeared, and it's, it's back to square one almost. Well, it feels, feels a bit surreal again, because I think everybody was kind of thinking that at the bells of New Year's, there's going to be a big magic wand that got fucking woven, woven and then we're all going to be back to happy, happy with Larry, but that's tough, man. But it gives me time to just sit and write songs and kind of get ready for what could be coming. But it is frustrating, definitely, man. You'll be the same doing your podcast for home and that as well. That's it. Aye, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, if this is the way that we need to do it, we'll, we'll find a way. But I'd much rather be... I'd much rather be in a room with somebody talking to them. It's so much easier. And you'll see the exact exactly. thing. Before we, we started recording, you were saying that you've been doing like songwriting, songwriting classes over Zoom. Aye. Like, what is that all about? Yeah, it's weird. It's just like, like we were saying there, it's just these, you, you get put on a Zoom with two total strangers you've never met before and you've got to try and convey an emotion through a song that you, it's hard, hard to convey emotion through a screen. It's like some weird Black Mirror episode living in man. Like never, never thought this would be happening. Ah, you've got to do, you've got to do. You've got to keep the keep the brain ticking. Who is it that you're writing with just now? Yeah, I've done quite a bit. I've done some way. Uh, it was Jamie, Jamie M. Collins, and Steve Booker. Was a pretty good writer doing in London. So I was, I was meant to be in London this week, right? Doing the writing, writing with him, but obviously can't travel anywhere because they're a bomb scared in there. But uh, I've been doing quite a bit with quite a lot of people. Just try to find the what the next sound's going to be. So it's, it's quite good having this time. Eh? It's, it's bad having no gigs, but at the same time, it's good having no gigs because there's no pressure to be having these tunes ready for a gig because it's not there. But it's good to have the time just to get your get your head straight and kind of just explore different kinds of music, kind of sounds. Eh? Have you got a, a sound that you want to be working towards? Is there something in your mind that you think, you know, this is what I, the route that I should be looking down? No, really, because when I first started, like from my band, it was kind of like a rhythm and blues kind of road. I had an idea to go and do, but then I kind of realised that the main culture. I'm not really interested in just listening to old rockabilly, like 50s, 60s stuff. So it's kind of evolved into loads of different stuff. But I don't like being pigeonholed in a genre because then you start writing, you start writing for that genre, and then you, you kind of lose your creative instincts. So it's just whatever, whatever comes, it will come out. It's interesting you mentioned that rhythm and blues stuff there because a couple of years ago uh, I put on a wee gig in Motherwell called Motherwell Makes Music and I remember you just came through and played and it was totally a, a rhythm and blues type and these were brilliant, these were amazing but I think for then, you know, you can see how much that you've grown as an artist even in just a short yeah. period of years, you know, it's, it's took it to a whole new level. Nah, it's good, it's, it's good just to try different things. I feel like this lockdown's probably aged me another 10 years stay so who knows, who knows what's going to come out the other side of it but really every... Every session I go into, I go in with basically no ideas. I, I feel like if you go in with an idea, you start writing to that idea and can, you kind of lose yourself. And I think it's better just going in with absolutely nothing and just seeing 
what comes in. That's what's good about doing it with loads of different writers is they, they've all got their own styles and I've got my own style, so it kind of good match the two things together and you get something totally different every day. Do you find that hard though? Like, do you ever think, like, right, I'm getting in here and I've got something in my mind that I want to do and you're trying to steer you in another direction? Oh, well, don't get me wrong, there's like, <clears throat> there's some sessions you go into, I'm not going to name who they are because that'd be ridiculous, but some sessions you go into, you're just like, why am I doing this for this guy? Because you just know getting what I'm doing. But that's, that's all part of it. I, for a long time, I was totally precious about my songs that I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever want to share my ideas with somebody who was like, these are my songs, what, you, you've no idea about them. But then I started using it, it's like, kind of like a therapy. I'd go, one of the, one of the best, one of the best songwriting sessions I had was with a guy called Ian Archer, who, <clears throat> he'd done like Jake Bug's album, and he's like, he's, he used to play in Snow Patrol, he was a guitarist of Snow Patrol and everything. Uh, I went and I met him, he's an Irish guy, he was brand new, and we just sat, I remember we sat and spoke for three hours, and I was like, when are we going to start writing a song here? Uh-huh. And then he was like, he clicked the space bar on the computer. And I was like, he's like, just recorded the full three-hour conversation that we had. Shut up. And yeah, he was just picking out bits of sentences that I had said to like stories in my life. And he was just like, right, there's a song there. Let's start writing a song about that. And I was just like, fucking hell, that's, that's incredible. incredible. <laughs> great, great way to do it. So I, that's probably the best session after that. But see, to go into a, a studio or, or into you know a room with somebody that's, that's got that experience, it must you must be thinking, well, he's worked with some big artists and he's been a big artist himself. You know, they, they must yeah. see something in me. Oh, definitely. It's, at first, you're kind of like uh, imposter syndrome. Like, should I be here? But then you realise all these artists have kind of taken off and became huge, or just normal people. They're no like. Aye. Mad, mad superheroes like they're just just like us they'll feel the effects of what's going on as well but uh, it's it's very humbling to get in with people like that and they've taken the time to sit with me so uh, it's good there's folk that, that don't know you look uh i'll let you introduce yourself i suppose but you're a, a singer songwriter for west lothian bathgate scotland and what is going on with bathgate and west lothian <laughs> you know? it's like I, I remember being younger and this is going back maybe 10 years and Obviously, people watching or listening, listening to, listening to this, listening to this. But when I played in a band 10 years ago, still the same band, we used to go through to Bathgate and the gigs were phenomenal. And it's just like, I don't know how I'd describe Bathgate. It's like a a former mining town, tiny population. Right. Like, you would never expect it to have such a vibrant music scene. And since then, I mean... Right. Aye. On you go. I think, just like you're talking about, obviously, you played in the band with Steve, and you that, like, my... Older brother Jordan, he played in a band called the Harringtons, and that was kind of like when when I was growing up, <clears throat> and and like Lewis Capaldi and the Snuts, like when they were growing up, that kind of indie scene was here in West Lothian. Like there was like places like the Attic and like the room at the top. There was like huge, like big good venues here that people would come to, and I kind of I think that's why now the West Lothian scene is so vibrant and so like people are taking over essentially. <laughs> it's a uh, just because they all, they all had that buzz, this small town buzz that was gigs, but there's no, there isn't much gigs here anymore. I don't know what, what the reason is for that, but all the music's in Glasgow, I suppose. But I think that's, we obviously looked up to the people in the indie scene and thought we want to do that and now it's our time to come up and do it. So that's it, good. It has been a journey because it, I mean, I go back to the times and there was the band that jumps out for me that were for West Lothian was uh, Dead Sea Souls and you know, they were doing really good on a Scottish level and, and they were selling out King Tut's, you know, consecutive nights. And 
everybody was looking at them thinking they're, they're amazing. But then to think, you know, that was potentially seven, eight years ago. And now, like you say, as bands that have watched them, or artists that have watched them and, and went on to the next thing, there's yourself, there's the Snuts, there's obviously Lewis Capaldi. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't get how it's all came for this wee place. It's wild. Like, it's what it's. I think once you see, like, once other artists see somebody like Lewis going up, or the Snuts going up, and how fast they took off, it's kind of like, well, it's possible for somebody for this small time to do it, so why not? Like, there's so, there's so many good bands here, so many good acts. But I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the actual reason is, but I'm happy to be involved in it. Like, there must be something in the water. That was such a, Aye, there's a classic, the classic way. <laughs> The, uh, but do you know what? Back to that scene though, it, what, what really strikes home for me, look, is the fact that you all support each other. You know, it's not as if there's people yep. trampling on each other to get to the top. It's like you've played with the Snuts, you've supported Lewis many times. It's it's as if you, you've come through that as pals and says, do you know what? We're going to look out for each other and make sure that if I can give them a hand up, I will. Well, that's it. I don't understand anybody that treats music as a competition because it's it's definitely not a competition it's not like a sport like the only way you could actually compete in it is on charts and even at that was like there's no what's the point but all these people that are in music you're they're all doing the same thing as you they're all going through the same trials and tribulations the same hardship so why would you why would you pat yourself against each other when you can help each other it's not going to do anything good for your career being a practice anybody like <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you ever feel a bit of pressure when you see you know, bands like the Snuts or even Lewis coming out of the same same place, same area, and, and doing so well. Or do you see it as like nah, that's that's something that I can aspire to? Maybe maybe at first I was uh, severely jealous. I'd say <laughs> uh, just because you're like, what am I doing wrong here? But everybody's time comes, everybody's shot comes at some point. So nah, but I, I don't think there's any pressure because I know I know I'm good enough at what I do. And I know I'm more than capable of doing what they've done. So there's no pressure. I just enjoy enjoy doing it and. I'm just speaking to speaking to some people today about where the next gigs are going to be, and it still seems a bit far away, which is quite sad to me because that's the, that's the stuff I live for is the live gigs, and so I don't know. It's there's no pressure. I just I'm actually chapping at the bit to play, just play in front of anybody. I think that uh, what goes under the radar as well is is the hard work that you've all put in. I was on a podcast, no more, and it was a, a different podcast last week, and I was talking a wee bit about the snuts, and I remember talking to Jack. I, when they played King Touch for the first time and, and he was saying, you know, like, we really, really want to get to the top and I think that we will. But he's like, we, we do this five, six nights a week, you know, and yep. we're sitting about doing nothing. Like, you've all dedicated your life to it and I, I think people just see, you know, like, for example, yourself getting tipped last year for, you know, best breakthrough acts or, you know, mm-hmm. this is the, some of the papers or whatever to said, you know, that's this is the next Capaldi coming through West Lovie and, and they don't realise that You've been doing this since you were what age? 18, 17, maybe even younger? Well, e- even younger now. Like, I think I started playing in pubs and I was like 13. So like, yeah. nine, nine year old started learning the guitar. Eh? But that's what, like you're saying, a lot of people don't see, what people see is the like the music you release, the the photograph you get taken, a nice poster, you look all good and that. Nobody sees the hardship or the pain or the sheer dedication it's going to take to get to this point. It's all well and good saying, Oh, West Slovenia's like a hotbed of music. It's it's not just like luck. It's not like it's pure hard work. These people are I myself we're all working every day. Every day, even through all this, which is impossible to get your band together to record or write. It's like literally elite, almost illegal. <laughs> you still got to find a way to 
try and do it, man. It's so hard work. And I think through this as well, like, not to get too political, but I feel that, you yeah. know, musicians in the music industry has been totally abandoned through this. You know, people like yourself that is on the, the cusp of really, really creating something special. It's almost like everything's been delayed and you've been pushed to the back. No, that's it. We're getting, again, you seen the thing the other day about the uh, UK government denying the, the right for musicians to have visas, which is like, we're just getting shafted left, right and centre. Everyone, absolutely everyone. Even at the very start, I've done the, when we done the Superthorn sing-along thing to try and raise money for the venues, it's like somebody like me and all the, all the acts that got involved here, they're having to stand up and do it themselves because the government are not doing their job, right. <laughs> pulling their weight. So it's mad. And it's, it's mental because it's a £5.8 billion pound industry for the UK. And they're all, they're all talking about fishing being the big industry. It's one, that's £1.8 So what what's going on? I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. Send the, send the musicians in to do the Brexit talk. That's what you should have done. What? <laughs> be there and talking. Be there and talking. I'd be there. Do you, do you find that you're, you're ever... I mean, I, maybe this is unfair to say. Do you, I feel as if your songs are they're really for the heart. Like, Do you ever feel that you're politically inspired? Or, or what's what's your writing process like? Definitely. Like, my, my songwriting is just like... It's always been... I write a song when I can't express the emotion for something that's happened in my life or something that's happening in about me. So there's definitely political stuff in some of my songs, but they're hidden, so they're, I didn't get in trouble for it. But <laughs> uh, it's just it's just all about releasing emotion. It's just like I said before, it's a therapy. Songwriting is a therapy for me. It's like sitting down with a, like a therapist and getting it all off me, but I'm just laying it into a sheet of music and just firing it out. If people like it, they like it. They didn't. They I'll write another one. Just... <laughs> I noticed that you were uh, talking to me last year. Obviously, you had so much that we'll, we'll go into that was postponed or cancelled. But I noticed the session that you done for uh, te- uh, sorry, the session that you done at FWG Free for the, the Scotland song. Oh, aye, that was uh, for a view from the terrace. I was stumbling there. View from the terrace. Eh? Uh, aye, that was an interesting one. I got they asked me just like you play a a football song, and I'm like an Aberdeen fan, so. I didn't usually go about shouting about it, to be honest. It's not really in it to be proud of it. But, <laughs> it could be worse, mate. You could support another one. <laughs> oh, is that you support? <laughs> well, we'll just keep that quiet. I love how, but, you, uh, how you support and a, a big laugh after it. Like, you're so, <laughs> you're so man. So I had it, man. But, uh, and then I just thought I'll just do a Scotland song because uh, the Euros, the Euro qualifiers were coming up. So, I thought Caledonia, and then I seen that Guy Fatherson had already done Caledonia, so I thought, can I do that? Then I seen the We Have a Dream tune, and it's actually my manager get, like sent me. I was like, what about this? And I was listening, to it, like, how the fuck am I going to sing that, man? It's like spoken word poem and like bagpipes and everything. I was just like, so we just went for it. On the, on the day we turned up, we asked the boy uh, Cammy Barnes for Red Hot Chili Peppers. He got a couple of boys for Red Hot Chili Peppers to come, and we just winged it on the day, and it. Really? Yeah, it turned out pretty good. As well. But we'd done that a couple of days before the game. And when we posted it up, there was loads of people that were like, uh, oh, you should never have messed with the original song and that. And I was like, this is maybe, I wasn't trying to steal the thunder of the original song. So I was like, can you reply to folk? I just like try to noise them up. So I get a, I get a buzz off of folk <laughs> trying to give me a jet, man. That's yeah. best part of my day. And then we watched the game with my brothers later that night. 
and we won the lot like 88th minute or whatever it was and then they scored they scored equaliser and I honestly felt my full soul leave my body just like what have I done to my career here I'm just, just going to get this for the rest of my life but thankfully I won penalties but dear me man it was a it was a tough night for me the, the response to it that he's got, I mean, you, you touch on these people that were maybe giving you a bit of jip, but I thought the response was brilliant. You know, everybody was really... The response was great, but you, you never you never remember the positive response. You always remember the negative ones. They're the ones that, that stick out. But oh, see if you're getting negative responses, that's the, that means you've done something right, definitely, because you're... You've touched an album someday. See if people are talking about you in a negative light, it's because they're noticing you. you know, exactly. If you were doing something and people were just ignoring it, it would be much worse. Exactly. You, you've watched the video, so... It's your fault, man. It's funny that... And you changed all the words as well, didn't you? Because like, the, the original is talking about... Is it Alan McCoyce and whatever else and the players that were around? At the, the, right. You had John McGinn in there and whatever else, didn't you? No, was a funny... It was a, it was like uh, I was like John McGinn who usually takes them, but I found out later on John McGinn doesn't need to take penalties, so <laughs> totally messed that up. Somebody commented that it's like brilliant, brilliant performance, but John McGinn doesn't take penalties, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel that people look into? I know, give me a break, man. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, what was your highlights of last year then? Because did you play that show with Lewis uh, in in Aberdeen just before? Uh, uh, no, I never. It was. Uh, Mark Sharp, Mark. another band for in here that played that. Uh, we were, it's mad because all the, the all the months have kind of like merged into one. I can't even remember what year I've been playing. <laughs> Start. I think we were, we were meant to play with Lewis somewhere and then it got called off because of COVID. I think it was just after the Aberdeen one. But I think we're booked to play with him this year and with him doing near Blackpool. But who knows what's going to happen with that. Hopefully, hopefully it happens. This year, I don't know. The start of the year was like when I was first going down to London doing these songwriting trips, and I'd uh, put a King Tut's gig up for sale as I was coming home to London. And by the time I got off the train into Bathgate, it sold out. So I was total buzzing. And then <laughs> a couple of weeks after that, we were like practicing. Me and the band were practicing the rehearsal room, and it was just when COVID was kind of like a whisper, like folk would just start to talk about it. And I was saying to the boys in the band, like joking, I was like, imagine this is doing a big bit of momentum, big chance here in the full world shots did. And it was like three days later, three days later, global lockdown. You jinxed Mad. it, it's your fault. It was, it's all my fault. <laughs> I don't, you, I don't you've come to hate. I'm going to get the haters now for that, but everybody's going to be <laughs> on my page. I remember the, the buzz around that King Tut's gig, because it sold out in, what was it, 12 hours or something? Maybe not even that. Yeah, it was mad. I was, abs- I was absolutely cheesing about it. And then... Went right up there, to straight down the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you put another date in for it? Um, I will. I think it's sometime in the summer, but now, but again, that could change. You don't know what's going to happen. But it's such a shame, isn't it? It's such a shame. It's going to be. It's going to be class though. When when you can go back, it's going to be tremendous. The first gig back, especially if that is your first gig back in King Tut, it's going to be pretty superb. Like, I just think like. There's so many bands that have, like you say, you know, they've used this opportunity, like yourself, to write new tunes, get better and tighter at what they've already had there. And music's going to be incredible when it's back. Exactly. Every every sitting boy's ready to go. <laughs> there's going there's going to be some kind of mad rush though. I think. See when like if they say right, gigs are going to be back on such and such month, 
all these bands have only been practicing. Maybe he's been able to get in a practice room. So it's going to be an interesting wee blown the cobwebs off moment the first gig back. Like everybody's going to be panic stations. <laughs> <laughs> Freezing on the spot. <laughs> you had, uh, you Getting all the words in that. You had Transmit lined up as well, didn't you? Aye, we're, we're still meant to be on for Transmit. Uh, well, meant to be doing it last year, but obviously it's been moved this year. But I, I can see I can see gigs like that going forward. I think outdoor gigs are probably safe. Indoor gigs are... I don't know, to be honest. I don't know what to be negative about it because I don't want to put people off. But I, I assume it's going to be a wee bit longer than what we think it is. It all depends on the trusty government getting these <laughs> vaccines. That Aye, exactly. They're good, good for their word there. I'll tell you this, you'll be lasting the queue. You're too young and beautiful for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm supposedly healthy, you know what I mean? <laughs> They've obviously not seen your tour and drinking schedule. Though. Okay, exactly. <laughs> All the fags and the rest of it. <laughs> What's your, like, you, so you're at this stage just now, like, right, where you're selling out King Tuts, you're, you're playing big festivals, and is there a difference between shows like that? Because obviously Tuts is your headline show, you know, it's quite a small venue, but you've, you've packed it out. And then you're going on to these stages where you're playing in front of thousands. Is there what's your preference, or is it this is part of the journey? Um, well, I've only really, I'd say, like I played a few big gigs, but like the one we played below us in Princess Street was like a huge turning point for me. It was like nine nine thousand people or so, and I was kind of was like, you know, like, whoa, I want, I want to do this, everything. Like Were they wanted yourself before it. <laughs> nah, man, felt there was a weird, a weird story with that because I was like, I was. I think I've told this story 20 times to newspapers. They all love this one. But I was maybe, uh, I was working in this warehouse like 12 hour shifts every day. And they asked me to, no, I asked them if I could have dates because they're supporting Lewis on Princess Street and I was supporting Tom Grennan in St. Luke's. So I asked the gigs off and I had like three other gigs and they said no for like days off. <laughs> so I, I had to quit my job to go to the gigs, went to the gigs. And I was meant to be, my girlfriend was moving to Australia, like two years maybe we got to Australia together. Oh, no. And that gig, where Lewis Capaldi was going to be the last gig. Sure. So we went went, <laughs> went to the gig and when I played it, as soon as I came on stage playing, I was like, in my head was like, I'm not going to Australia, staying here. So she she went to Australia, I stayed here. But she's back now, so it's fine. But right. it was just, it was a big turning point in my life where I was like, this is what I want to do. And I've not had a job since that day, which... I don't know if that's a positive or a negative thing for me, but it's, it's a positive <laughs> because it's shown that you know you've got a talent there that you can't can't ignore. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's just, I'd say, the big gigs are like what I want, hundred percent. Especially when I prefer the shows when it's not your headline show, when it's like you're just a festival slot and new people are seeing you, because they're the ones that they're the ones that make a difference. Is when you captivate an audience that are not already into you. you know Absolutely. I mean? so, I will find you I'm getting too personal. What, what was the thoughts after that show? And you said to the girlfriend, I'm not going to Australia. Uh, she was brand new, but I think there was, was a time where it was tough, like, obviously, but she was saying that she came back. So we're all good. <laughs> By the way, you're lucky because I could imagine there'd be many boyfriends or girlfriends or wives or husbands nah, that would be That's that. No chance. <laughs> 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 That would have kicked me out the door, like, definitely. Ah. <laughs> That's an amazing story, by the way. That's mad. What was uh, that? When with Tom Grennan, I had him on the podcast uh, a while back, and it was, he played in Newcastle at the O2. It was part of, 
oh, what's the name of the festival? Hit the North. Ah, yeah. And it's a cracking wee festival. It's kind of like a multi-venue festival across loads of different uh, pubs and clubs in Newcastle. And uh, we had a chat with him before it, and then the show that he put on was brilliant. You know, he's such a performer. He's some singer. Like, uh, so we, the reason we played that was we won a, uh, it was a play to play competition. So right. it was just like, I got down to the last, I think it was down to the last three people and they asked for an interview sitting on the stage. So I'm not, I'm not that very, I'm not a talkative guy. So they were interviewing the three years and they're all saying how great it would be to play and that. And then they asked me, like, would you, how, how would it feel to play? I was just like, that'd be good. And then, <laughs> <Not> right, <no. laughs> and then they, they accepted, they accepted us for some reason. But hearing, hearing that with the sound check was incredible, man. He's got some, some voice. I don't think he gets the credit for his voice, how good he is. Oh, and like you say, some some showman as well. Comes at, comes at the dressing room like a train man when he's ready to go. It is, aye. <laughs> it's funny, when we were chatting, and we was just sitting there wearing a trackie, like a, a grey trackie, and then when he was on stage, he was wearing like a bright purple suit, like total showman. Aye, he's good. Man. Nice guy as well. Mm. Spot on guy. Another one I wanted to ask you about was uh, was Kyle Faulkner. I know that he's he's collaborated last year to to help uh, out the NHS. I thought that was amazing. I so that came about. Uh, that was during the Souththorn sing along. So it was just like a online festival that we were raising money for Music Venues Trust, and Kyle was playing on it. And I just sent my message because I've supported Kyle quite a few times when I was like maybe like fifteen or sixteen. Like just acoustic gigs. I've just messaged him saying oh, you're sounding great because he's he's another guy who's one of the best singers about and his songwriting's tremendous as well. Uh, and I said, oh, sounded good. And then he was like, oh, I've got a song for you. It would sound brilliant. I was like, all right. So no way. He, uh, he, just, he just fired, fired me a couple of verses and, and part of the chorus for Terribly Beautiful. And then I had one of the, it was like the most stressful five weeks of my life because we were in lockdown at this point. And I had a MacBook laptop and a Guitar Hero mic. <laughs> And that's what I had to record this song. And I managed to... So if you listen to the vocals on Terribly Beautiful, that's done with a Guitar Hero mic. Is it really? the USB. Uh, so I don't know how it was. It's it sounded good. so good. Oh. I know, it's mad. That just gave away my biggest secret there. Everybody's going to be buying them on eBay tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, oh, honey, in studio is an expensive mic. So you just need Guitar Hero. Oh, you didn't need it. Listen, you didn't need it. That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, I anyway, there is actually a... It was originally a duet, the two years on it. Him right. singing his parts and me singing my parts. But for various reasons, it got changed. But I still got the recording of the duet, so I don't know if I might bring it out at some point on an LP or something. But it's, I think it sounds better than the original, to be honest. Why did he not want to do it himself? Because that, that's, you know, not only is it a, an honour or a compliment, you know, that he, he thinks that you'd be great on it, but it's like giving away his art in a way, isn't it? The, guy, the guy's like, he writes songs constantly. He's got, He's got a library of songs that guy, and I, I've got a feeling that he'll be bringing out some stuff soon. But mm. he's he's unreal. He's another guy that can just he surpasses genres. He just writes songs. He doesn't he box himself into a genre. He can he can sing in it, write in it, which is I, I love. I think I he's brilliant. I've I've always been a big yeah. fan of the View, and his solo stuff's incredible as well. Well, they were they were the first the View were the first band I ever seen when I was twelve. The first gig oh, I went to. So it's quite it's quite weird to be. Releasing a song that's co-written by Kyle on it. Quite a mad wee full circle. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. 
You mentioned that you might bring it out on a, an LP. What, what's your plans? Because I, I could be wrong here, look, but I think I read that you were you're looking to bring out a, a full length album. Well, what's my plans is the key question because I have no idea. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not the uh, I'm not the type of guy that makes plans. I just kind of go with what's happening, and right right now is the best the best time to just be going with the wind. But I don't know. I'm just right now. Of course, at some point it'll be an album, but. I mean, probably it's probably far away, but it's just like we've seen earlier. I put the time to write and just get as many songs down if they're good or bad or indifferent. Just get them written down and record them. So then, when the time comes for an album, if I get picked up with a label or whatever happens, I'll have them ready to go. Because the the key the key in being a musician is having songs written. Like it's easy as that. That's what you need to keep constantly doing is writing songs. Because without songs. You're not a musician, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. <And> if, <laughs> if a label comes to you and says, right, I, I like these two singles that you've brought out, what's your back catalogue yeah. and you've got nothing sitting there, then you're fucked, aren't you? Yeah, you're just, you're just like, right, we'll see you later then. That'll be what it'll be. Yeah. But I, hopefully an album. An album's the way. But who knows, because I don't know if people even listen to albums now. I don't know how it goes. I'm like the worst social media or worst te- technological guy in the world, man. I just... <laughs> Just release songs, see what happens to it. Do you do all your own social media and stuff? Or get managed? I, I do the majority. I do, I do like the majority, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> but if, it, like, if there's stuff that needs to go up, obviously my manager much better at me than putting stuff up and like advertising things better now. Yeah, you mentioned your brother earlier, you know, being a, an inspiration as well and playing in the Harringtons before that. And you come from a musical family, if I'm right, because your granddad was a, a singer as well. Uh, he he's a, he was like a, a singer in the military band and he played the euphonium, it's a big brass instrument. Right. But he's got uh, Alzheimer's now, so it's quite, it's quite sad to see him gone, gone now he's gone, but. Just like I've said this to lots of people as well, it's just music. It's wild how much it brings brings people back. The music, you can play a song to him and he knows all the lyrics, knows everyone, can tell you about the night you had back in 1970 or whatever it is. It's, so it's pretty wild music, but I think that's the last thing that goes in your brain. That's a shame, isn't it? I remember my grand before she passed away and she'd like kind of mild Alzheimer's dementia. And as you says, it's like you could ask them what they had for their breakfast and they couldn't tell you. But then right. he was in a care home towards the end of their life and there was a wee guy that came in on the Friday and he'd play guitar and he'd sing along and every single guy and woman in there, you know, they couldn't remember sure, anything. They're singing every single word. It's was, wild, isn't it? Aye, so special. Absolutely mental. It, it must be quite a quite a privilege for him though, you know, even seeing you or even your brother, you know, seeing how well that you're doing. I definitely. I've got a, a good group of people around me that are all buzzing about it. But it's just... Like even even with the Scottish Music Award, it was sad that we couldn't get a like a night at the at the awards because I I went to the awards the year before to collect Lewis's award because he couldn't go, he was too lazy to go. But, uh, Is that what it was? Was he no one too? Nah, he was dancer. I think he was dancer. You're chucking him under the bus, man. I've got to I've got to try and struggle with this Lewis Capaldi's pal title. I need to get rid of it. I need to become a nemesis at some point. You should, you should have a fight with him, charity boxing match or something. He, he's actually texted me that before and said that as a laugh. Like, stop fucking pretending you're my pal. 
No, he said, let's go on. I think <laughs> it was, I said, I said, what is it I said to him? I can't remember what it was, but I said something about him in a paper, like jokingly, saying that I was like going to overtake him or something. Uh-huh. And then uh, he texted me saying, you fucking chucked me under the bus, Charlie Bolt so much. Yeah, it was like something along the lines. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you were just getting on to it there, the, the Scottish Music Awards. Obviously, the year before you went and collected his award and then you said, uh, so, I'll be back for mine. Right. Cheeky wee boy, eh? cheeky thing to say, but it worked. Planted that seed early and it just worked. <laughs> but uh, I, it was, I got to obviously go to the night out for Clayton Lewis's award, but it would have been good to have my family there and that and have a table and go pitched for my one. But who knows, might be there next year and get another one. Absolutely, because it was best I feel, I feel like it. Best breakthrough artist, is that right? Aye, pretty good. Aye. Right. You, I'll be back, but I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's so weird to being a best breakthrough act and I'm sitting in the house, like, twiddling my thumbs. But you're breaking through. Like, There's nothing there today. Again, fucking <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Breaking through the back door. But, nah, it's weird. It's especially, even getting, like, the number one Scotland last year, it's just like, I've not even had a chance to properly drink it in and properly sit with my mates and ce- celebrate it or anything, because... We've all been locked in, but I'm sure my day will come and it'll all come flooding in it all at once. Do you know, for, for me, look, if you're doing that then now, when people are nigging out and, and there's not as much hype about music because everybody's about to doom and gloom, I mean, when yep. when it comes back, it's only going to be bigger and better. I know. Well, that's that's what I'm looking forward to, Mace, because I'm kind of proved myself during the lockdown when it's important, like, nay, nothing remain, nay, possible way to prove yourself. So, when it's time to be out of the lockdown and out of the cage, I'm going to be a wee bit of an animal, hopefully. <laughs> but <laughs> just need to wait and see, man. But I think I think your positive attitude shines through there because there would be people that would be getting these awards. You know, for example, we started last year and people are saying, this is the guy to look out for, look with Volpe. You know what I mean? This guy's going to be huge this year. And then when it doesn't come off, I mean, it's been a challenging time for many. This lockdown in terms yeah. of mental health and, you know, people struggling. And for somebody like yourself that, is that that height? Like, I think there'd be guys and girls that would crumble when it doesn't doesn't quite come for them. I didn't get me wrong. I'm no like I'm no Mister Motivator. Like recently, I've been feeling I've been feeling a bit down with the the current situation. But you just got to remember that everybody's gone through it, and there's a lot of people worse off than you that need a lot more help. I'm happy to have Ruth Ermaheed food on the table. I mean, there's people that are really struggling. So it's, it's it's easy to feel down. It's easy to feel down, but you just got to keep going. It's got to, it's got to end at some point. Everyone's got to end at some point. What's the future holding for you then? What can we expect from what we vote? Who knows, man? Who knows? I've asked you, is there an album coming? Don't know, we'll see. <laughs> In the future, who knows, mate? Who knows? I mean, you just got to roll with the punch and see, what, see where you end up. <laughs> Love it. I'm not, I'm not going to be mystic marking anything. I'm not going to be calling anything out. But I'm definitely going to, I'm just going to keep progressing, keep getting bigger because I'm not going to go backwards. I've had plenty of time in my life and I've been, I've been sitting in the dark waiting for stuff to happen. Now, I'm, I think it was kind of the first lockdown that spurred me on, just being like, I can't sit here. I can't sit here doing that because I would have went downhill. Mm-hmm. So it's just work. Just keep working and keep working. Just like, if, if there any young musician coming up, if I'd say anything to them, I'd be like, just work your arse off. Don't stop for anything. Just keep going. Because the minute you stop, there's somebody else that's going to be working harder than you next year that's going to take what you want so 
Did you ever go back to the, the boss in the, the factory that wasn't going to give you the day off and say, look at this? No, I don't, I don't think they, they like me very much, to be honest. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, they're, they're all right, they're sound. I, think, I don't think they realised how, how big the stuff happening was, so it's not their fault, but thanks, thanks very much for letting me go. <laughs> it's the best thing that happened. Okay, it definitely is. Listen, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you, and Aye. I'm hoping 2021 is a, a bit brighter for you. I mean, it's not looking great now, but come to the summer, the end of the year, and as you say, as we get these vaccines <laughs> rolled out, and, and I'll be coming along to your gigs. Don't worry about that. Spot on, man. Thanks very much. <laughs> nice one. Thanks to everyone who has listened to this episode of the podcast. Uh, next week I've got another Bathgate artist or another West Lovian artist speaking to Mark Sharp, who I know Luke knows very well. Uh, and if Some boy. Not, ah, he's a good guy. Yeah. And if you've not liked and subscribed, please do so. Thanks very much. Cheers.